Till I'm tiptoed you. Dot com. The podcast about pop culture, black history, and spirituality. Yeah. It's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip. Gonna take it away. Till I'm tiptoed you. y'all hey it's your girl tip thank you for joining me for another edition of tell them tip told you the podcast where i share with you all my musings about black history black culture and black spirituality so there's some things i want to talk about today we're, we're gonna um i want to spend some time talking about what research is and why we need it um i'm going to talk to you about a dream i had the other night and setting expectations for yourself but first we'll start with just some regular news and updates You ready? Let's just jump right into it. So, you know, I think as a total, today's podcast is really going to be about how the media are used to manipulate reality. And I'm not talking about that foolishness that Donald Trump started with the whole fake news this and fake news that. No, I'm going to talk about the manipulation of reality through media because by and large, I, I I don't like to make generalizations like this, which is why I'm hesitant in even saying what I want to say. But I think there are far too many people that don't know how to responsibly consume media. So I want to talk about that a little bit. But first, let's just start with some things that are going on. Um, did y'all see uh, there are news articles now out about the number of these so-called Black Lives Matter riots and violence around the protests? that are now being tracked to the Boogaloo Boys and other white supremacists? Can we just say I told you so? Right? Black, black people, by and large, are, you know, woefully passive sometimes. And I didn't believe then, and I still don't believe, that many of these protests, protests ended in violence. Um, and now we have, on record, these folks, the Umbrella Man, the Boogaloo Boys, all these folks are getting caught up in admitting that what they did was to try to manipulate the media into reporting the quote-unquote violence of the Black Lives Matter movement to be more divisive, right, to cause more problems for Black folks, to put Black folk in danger. Um, And many of us tried to tell other people so, But, you know, sometimes when you see it on the Internet, it becomes real for you. Um, Which made me then think about in Tuskegee, Alabama, there is a Confederate statue that's supposed to be removed. But a lawsuit has been filed to stop that removal. And now it's stalled out. So the statue, of course, is still there while this case is heard. You know, let me do one more thing and I'm going to tell you what I think about all of this. Um, did y'all see the concert lineup for the Super Bowl? Oh, it's going to be a black shindig, ain't it? Ain't it going to be a black shindig? And it's a bunch of y'all. Ooh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, were applauding folks for boycotting the Super Bowl. That is, can't wait to see this shindig. I, I just, uh, Yeah. You know, sometimes I think black people's memories are woefully short. I, is it is it that our memories are short or that our commitments are weak? I don't 
don't know. It's a little bit of both. Who would even hurt to say that out loud? But you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I just, I wanted to run through those headlines um, to say this. You know, where we fall on a lot of, in terms of arguments around some of these things, really depends on how we ingest media. And I wanted to take a moment to caution you. Um, I don't want this to sound like an academic, y'all know I'm an academic snob, but I don't want this to sound arrogant. I don't want this to sound snobbish. I really am offering this to you um, out of love. You know, we laughed about how Russian bots and online trolls were feeding the right, these religious, um, ridiculous, huh, talk about a Freudian slip, these ridiculous conspiracies via media. And because these people just kind of believed everything they were reading, they believe this QAnon stuff, you know, they believed some of everything, even though um, intelligence suggests that these were, again, foreign um, entities creating these conspiracies to feed into U.S. pop culture media so as to convince um, a number of people that, you know, Trump won the election or that COVID was not real or, you know, any of these crazy things. And many of us laughed at it. But here's the danger. The problem is that now we are learning that they're not just feeding information to the, to the right. They're also feeding information into our communities. And without enough um, media literacy, we can fall victim to the same kinds of things. There have been a couple of people on Instagram that I've had to block because they start off sending, you know, some very uh, pro-black messages, very... Um, messages that anybody who who knows me would think I would be interested in. And then slowly those messages began to morph into what I understand to be propaganda and just misinformation. And I mean, they were sending them all day, some, you know, four or five messages a day. And then you go to their Instagram profile and it's only one or two pictures, um, very few posts, but you got time to be inboxing me um, these things that's a red flag. That's a red flag. And and it's interesting that I've not heard many of us talk about. Um, now, my girl, Jessica is on this, but there are not enough of us talking about how to responsibly consume media, social media in particular. I think it's important that we give this more attention in our communities and um, we need to understand what research is in general. Let me also say this. As an educator, I can tell you, your children do not learn media literacy in school. Your, let me say that again. Your children do not learn media literacy in school. So what we need to be doing is teaching one another about how to responsibly consume media. All right. Um, I typically... This is just Tiffany. I'm not telling you have to do this, but I typically do not watch the news. So CNN, MSNBC, none of that stuff do I watch because it's TV and those things tend to be more sensationalized. Right. I am. Uh, my first major at FAM was in the J school journalism major. So I took a couple of classes 
you know, before the, the, the beginning of the end of the dropout. <laughs> but I took a couple classes on journalism. And so I still have some of those tendencies where the best news, the most objective news tends to be read and not viewed. I still have that very old school lean. In fact, when, when I was in J school, um, they used to suggest that we read two, three, four newspapers a day just so that you get a wide variety of perspectives, so on and so forth. But again, it's not sensationalized in the same kinds of way. Ads don't work in the same kinds of ways. And so written news, textual news tends to be a little bit better. Now, you all also know that I, I believe in words. So being able to sit and look at the words that are being used and what they might mean, means something to me. So that's one of the first things is even if you are watching the news, if you're ingesting your news that way, I suggest to you that you add in some written sources um, just so that, you know, you know something. Let me also give you a bit of history. There is a period of time in the United States, most of the time in the United States, where no major news outlet could be owned by a foreigner. And the reason for that was so that we could trust the media a little bit more to not distort national interests, right? Now, Rupert Murdoch, who we all should know is a little problematic, is the one who got in behind that rule and the rule's kind of gone now. But I think we do need to pay more attention than we typically do um, when it comes to who's responsible for funding things and who owns the profit from these news places. Also look at how the news place defines itself. For example, Fox News is not a news agency. It is an entertainment company. And that should give a little bit of a nod towards how much you can trust how, quote unquote, objective their news is. All right. So always look at who owns the company. Try to read more than you watch. Now, I also want to add this. This is a research component. And I'm I'm not going to do this show because Teaching in the Urban South, a nonprofit that I sit on the board for, is recording a podcast later today and we're going to get into this. So I don't want to I don't want to be competing against my own self. <laughs> but I do want to give you a little bit of this. My pet peeve is people who say they've researched something when really they mean they googled it. Like that's not research, my babe. I appreciate the effort. Right. We have access to a lot of information at our fingertips and you should be using Google as a wonderful resource. But that's not research, nor is Googling and then watching YouTube videos. That's still not research. But I do I will want I do want to tell you this in terms of how we ingest media. Even if we're doing a Google search or a YouTube search, there is a concept. Now, the older concept is called triangulation. Um, I tend to use crystallization. Um, and I'll tell you what the distinction is between those two things. Triangulation in research tends to promote the idea that you have to have, um, you have to compare data, right? So if you read a news article, you don't just stop with the first news article you read. You should be Googling, right? If, if Google is going to be your mean, uh, means to it, you should be Googling a number of different articles from different kinds of perspectives and then reading them and kind of triangulating the story that way. So reading these different perspectives on a thing and then coming away with what you trust more based on this varied response. Now, the problem with um, U.S. media because of deregulation and I think just 
excessive capitalism is that many of these smaller agencies are still owned by a single big one. And so there's not much variety of perspective. So again, you have to pay attention to who owns what when you're doing this, but you should be able to read three or four different articles and fall. the truth will fall somewhere in the middle. So triangulation is the idea that I need these three things to agree before I believe it. Right. Crystallization. The only difference is that you're using more than three sources. Right. I'm using a number of different sources and I'm looking at how they're talking about a thing. I'm looking at what sources they're using. I'm looking at who's owning what. And then I'm walking away with my decision that way. And I think in our communities, we need to be more doing more teaching to each other, and especially to the youth about how to consume literacy. Just because a social media influencer says XYZ does not mean that XYZ is true. Can you then find it in a reputable news source? Because then you're you're beginning that triangulation crystallization effort. So that's how we consume data. Um, We should always have a working knowledge of content. So that it's believable. So, for example, when Trump started saying that he was going to have Mexico pay for the wall, there should have been a base level of civics knowledge among U.S. citizens that said, wait a minute, that's a sovereign country. You can't make them do nothing. Right. So even that base level of content knowledge that I had when I read the articles that said Trump was saying these things, then that should have hit a red flag that that's impossible because of what I already know. See, there aren't enough of us who are developing that content knowledge so that when we when we see a mistruth, we recognize it as mistruth. Do you understand what I mean by that? That there should be a base level of knowledge you already have so that when you read a news article, you it can resonate with what you already know. Right. You're you're triangulating it to the data you already have in your head. And if you're not a content area expert, our communities should have a number of them that we trust. Okay, so there should be someone in our community, for example, um, with these this Boogaloo Boys and the Black Lives Matter so-called violence during the riots and things like that. Um, There should be enough of us with historical knowledge of black um, social and civil movements that are able to say, hey, don't trust that. And there were a number of us that said, don't trust that. That ain't really how we get down. That's not how we roll. Right. So you got to have content area experts in your circles so that when you encounter an article that's full of mistruth, someone can say that ain't really how we roll. Now, this anti-vaccine stuff that I've seen floating around a lot of FOTEP communities, um, again, you need a need to have in your circle some basic content area experts. So I have, you know, other faculty who I work with on campus who study virology and biology and things like that. I have some friends who are medical physicians. I have family, uh, pediatricians, so on and so forth. Hey, can you talk to me about X, Y, Z? Can I trust this, this and that and this and that? You also might need a historian because some of y'all are touting Tuskegee as the reason why we shouldn't take this vaccine. I'm going to remind you that Tuskegee was about withholding treatment, not giving it to somebody. Okay, so if you're going to invoke the history, you might want to have a content area expert, a historian to talk to you about what Tuskegee really was. Okay, so media literacy is not supposed to be 
a passive process. You have to bring something to the engagement of the article itself. All right. This isn't a class, but I just I wanted to do those couple of things when it came to the news this week, um, because I just yeah, I just wanted to do that. So take with that, take it with a, a, a grain of salt. I just had to say my two calories right there, you know, do with it what you will. You might want to chop and splice it and send it to somebody who always is forwarding you them Facebook foolishness stories. Somebody need to send it to uh, Sister Nikki out here talking about her cousin's friend say his testicles. Well, some foolishness, some foolishness. Let me tell you, uh, speaking of the media, though, that something that we need to be paying attention to is what's going on in Oregon with um, this, I think, 2021 um, do-over of Emmett Till. Um, so if you haven't heard, there was a white man in Mackenzie Cranston who was at a bar with his white girl and, um, supposedly a black man spoke to her and complimented her. They shot and killed that brother. They shot and killed that brother. <sighs> Follow the case. Just watch the case. It's, it, 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 mm. watch the case. Watch the case. I, I, I don't even want to say anything else about that because it's going to end up going somewhere completely. I'm not ready to take it. Uh, there's some personal reflection I got to do on that. And there's some things that emotionally I want to say that I don't think are responsible to say right now. So, yeah. Whew. Pay attention to Oregon. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I, I want to move. I want to move just because I want a, a fresh start. Um, but it, it bothers me that even in 2021 in this country, I have to think about where a black woman would be safe. Follow what's also happening in St. Louis. There are a number of black women who are ending up killed lately. Um, pay more attention to that. Again, I don't want to say too much right now because I, I, um, I'm not emotionally in a place to speak about that. Y'all know I'm trying to cut down on the rants, <laughs> but just watch the news and, and, but, but consume it critically and carefully. So here's the thing I wanted to get to, right? I wanted to tell you about a dream I had the other night. So the other night I dreamed that I had moved, ironically. Um, some of you know that one of my spiritual modalities, one of my spiritual gifts is I, I can, I, I don't want to say I can because I don't think it's me doing it, but I receive visions. So let me say it that way. I, I receive visions in my dreams. There's a whole reason why it shows up in my dream, but that's another story for another day. Um, so I, I usually can't tell if it's a regular dream or a vision unless what happens happened. And let me, so let me tell you. So in the dream, I'm, I dreamed that I had recently moved into a new place and that there was this very handsome, y'all, he was fine brother who lived next door. And, you know, we, we were friendly. So, you know, having conversations like, you know, when I'm walking the dog and he's coming in from work or things like that, just initial conversations. Hey, how's it going? you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember in the dream, 
um, it was like a fast forward moment where obviously we had been living next door to each other for a while. And I came home and he was like, hey, come over here. I got something for you. And um, he had cooked me dinner. He had cooked me dinner. And I remember being um, like for me, like that kind of it was a, a feeling of what? This is for me. You did this for me. Really? Why? And I woke up, right? So this is how I know it was a vision and not just a dream. Because I woke up, I had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I'm at that age where sometimes the bathroom trips happen in the middle of the night. So I had to go to the bathroom. That might be TMI to it for a podcast, but y'all know who I am. Anyway, so I come back from the restroom and I get back in bed and I fall asleep and the dream starts right back over. So that's typically how I know it's a it's a vision and lesser of a dream because there was no it didn't jump to something else. <coughs> Excuse me. It started completely over. So, I mean, it didn't start completely over. It kind of just started back where I had left off. And at this point. And, you know, we're, we're wrapping up dinner and I'm offering to do the dishes. And he was like, no, I was off today. You had to work today. I want you to rest, you know, just sit down and rest. And he had music going. He didn't try anything sexual. Um, it was no explicit flirtation. It was just good conversation. And I felt cared for. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. And a couple of... um you know, more weeks, you know how dreams can fast forward. So a couple of more weeks went by and I remember my cousin Jason was in town in this dream and Jason knew the dude and we were at the dude's house. And this was the first time that the guy had actually started to flirt. Now, mind you that in the dream, I'm conscious that now like months have gone by of this man cooking dinner for me, walking my dog sometimes, just taking care of the stuff around the house that I needed done, um, all kind of stuff. And I remember that we were in his kitchen because he had cooked because my cousin was in town. And <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, I got to get some. You know what the problem is? Yeah, this is the most raggedy podcast. I try to drink warm lemon water in the mornings when I first wake up and I didn't do it today. And so my throat is a little dry. I'm sorry. So hold on. I'm so sorry. That's so raggedy. But um, so we were standing at his island just talking because, again, he knew my cousin and He kind of, you know how a dude stands behind you and kind of brushes up on you? And that I remember in the dream being like, this is the first time that he's ever done anything like that. Like, I remember blushing in a dream and feeling all kind of butterflies and stuff. And so I woke up the next day and I was like, okay, was that really a vision of things to come? Was it a premonition or was it a message? So I asked my friend, one of my best friends, and he was like, I can't tell you, maybe it's both. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. But there's obviously a message in there, too. He was like, yeah. So I, I prayed about it for a couple of days to try to figure out, you know, can you help make the message more clear? If there's something I'm supposed to learn, let it be more clear. Here's what. I got, and I want to share it with you because I I don't think I'm the only person in this place, particularly for sisters in their 40s who are dating. 
if we've made it thus far, y'all know I don't like to put stuff on other people. So let me just let me just let me just own it all. Okay, I am in my forties. I'm not married. I have never been married. I've had a long a cohabitation period with somebody, but I have never been married. Um, long as in seven years. Never been married. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time in case somebody's listening. Take the hint. I've never been married. <laughs> um, so there are days where I begin to feel like that's not a possibility for me. And here's what I, I prayed for the message to become clear. So here's what I got. We get what we expect to get. We get what we expect to get. Now, if I'm honest with myself, even in that long cohabitation period I'm telling you about, I expected for it to end. Right? I went into it knowing it was toxic from the beginning, experiencing the toxicity throughout, and then being hurt when it ended the way it ended, but expecting it. Other relationships I've been in, there was always a feeling of this is too good to be true. He can't feel this way about me for real. This can't be real. This is a game. Right? And when those things don't work, rather than me focusing on where the the my partner did not do enough to keep me or betrayed my trust, I focused on I must not be good enough. I must not be enough to receive these things. So here's what I think the dream came to tell me. I deserve to be treated a certain kind of way. But I have to make space to be treated a certain kind of way. See, if we're if we're settling, we're set, we're staying in something we're settling for and we're we're the one doing all the work to make it run. We're the one doing all the work to make it so like um we plan all the, the trips. We plan all the dates. We take care of the bills. We do the laundry. We're cleaning. Hell, he even, if we, we don't live together, hell, he even coming to our house to lay down with us. You know, that there is no um, reciprocation of that on the other end. It's because we expect that thing. And we have not set an expectation for you will earn me. Right. That was the part of the the dream that even in the dream, I was like, really, really? Like he cooked for me and he ain't even try to kick. He ain't try like and, and, and being confused that this man may have been interested in me. Why is he doing all these things and not trying me sexually? Right. Because I had begun. I have wrongly in many places equated my sexuality to my worth. And so because the brother in the dream wasn't about my sex, my sex completely or solely, I didn't think he was interested. And that says something about what my expectations are, about what I deserve. 
Maybe this is just a personal testimony to y'all. Maybe it's a personal event and I just needed to say it out loud. But I'm hoping it helps somebody else who may be in a similar situation where y'all, we, we're getting what we're expecting. Because, see, if we expect something different, we don't stay where we're not getting it. If I expect someone to do these kinds of things for me because of me and not just because of my uh, vagina, then the moment it's all about the vagina, I'm ready to walk away because the expectation is that I can receive something better. Some of us have to be honest that the expectation, the bar has been set so low that we don't even understand authentic effort anymore. And and although this dream was about a relationship, I don't think it was solely about relationship. I think it was more about just in general in life. That if I expect to be middle class, that's all I'm going to be. Because I won't walk away from jobs that I feel don't compensate me well. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? That some of us don't expect to be real life entrepreneurs. We expect to side hustle. And because we expect a side hustle, that's all our business grows into. It doesn't grow beyond that because our expectation is not set for it. Some of us, our relationship with ourselves, we tolerate too much foolishness from ourselves simply because our expectation for what we can do and achieve is low, it's poor. See, if your expectation is a $10 allowance, you get 20, you ain't going to try to get a 50. So if your expectation is too low, you can't get more. Some of us are even praying in low expectation. You're not praying for that six figure job. You're praying for the raise. That's not the same prayer. And it comes from what do I expect? Expectation is in alignment with your tolerance. You tolerate what you expect to receive. And some of us, our expectations are way too low. So that was, <laughs> that was the vision and the message that came for me last week. Um, I'm continuing to sit with it because I feel like there's some more there, but I wanted to share it with you. I really wanted to share it with you um, because I don't think I'm the only one. I don't think I'm the only one. So that's 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 what the Lord dropped in my spirit <laughs> to share with y'all today. A little bit about the, the media literacy. Y'all watch the news and what's going on with black lives. Uh, and let me say this, because I say it to my students and they look at me like I'm crazy. Stop walking right here without a mask on. You can't tell other people that your life matters if you don't take it seriously. That's all I'm going to say about that. Y'all have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Tell them Tip told you. Take care.